0: Lord, thank you so much for your word. We ask that you would reveal yourself to us this morning, Lord. We ask that you would highlight, illuminate your word, that it would light our hearts on fire for you, Lord, that we would say, yes, this is more than a book. This is uh, your holy word, the very words of God. And we ask that it would change us and transform us and we would leave here Differently than when we arrived. In Jesus' name we pray, and we all said, Amen. Amen. Well, good morning, everyone, Uh, especially if you are a guest with us this morning, maybe here for the first time. My name is Max, I'm uh, the associate pastor here at Kakako Christian Fellowship. Um, We are starting a new series, like Pastor Mark said. Um, The Bible is real. You know, the Bible is uh, real in our lives in the way that it can speak to real problems. Real questions that we have. It gives us real solutions, real answers. And so for the next three weeks, we're going to be doing that. Then we're going to be headed out into a a sermon series where we're starting in the book of Genesis and going all the way through. And who knows how many years that would take. But it's going to be a lot of fun as we go book by book, uh, pretty much throughout the entire Bible. Well, um, so. Starting off, a few fun facts about the Bible. Anyone know what the word Bible means? What does the word Bible mean? Throw it out there if you know. I was at my kid's school now, Kaimuki Christian, and one of the kids knew it, so come on. I heard the, one of the guys say that question. Book, all right, who said that? No prize for you, sorry Gary, but good job. Give him a pat on the back, Miriam. Yeah, yeah, about carry. Simple, yeah. Just means book. <laughs> and so, the Bible is made up of 66 different books. Right? Old Testament has 39 books, and they're written approximately 1500 BC to about 400 BC, and then the New Testament has 27 books written in AD 40, all the way up to about AD 100 or so. The Old Testament is written mainly in the language of Hebrew. Good, and the New Testament in the language of Greek. Right. What did you say? Not jo- what? <laughs> I'm joking around, you guys. So, the Bible—it's amazing. It's made up of sixty-six different books, right? And the you know, this collection of books that we read and we uh, sometimes gotta dust off the covers right to find our Bibles and we see how it impacts our lives you know it's impacted so many people millions of people's lives over the years did you know that the Bible is the greatest selling book of all time hello duh right but week after week year after year this is the best seller every week it's the best seller by far they have to take it off the bestseller list because it would just win week after week. The Bible, the Bible, the Bible, the Bible. And so, it's the most translated book ever. Homer's works have been translated into 40 different languages. Shakespeare's works have been translated into 60 languages. Harry Potter, 67 different languages. Okay? More than Shakespeare. Wow. And then you have the Bible. 2,333 different languages. Wow. Amazing. So it dwarfs all the competition. And it was about the age of 19 where I started, uh, my brother started talking to me about Jesus. And I didn't grow up as a Christian. And he's telling me all about Jesus, all about the Bible. And I thought, give me a break. You know, you're going to tell me that this book is, you're going to listen to what's in this book. I thought everything in it was a myth. Everything in it was false and untrue. And, you know, I told my brother straight to his face. I said, dude, you are in a cult. Get out of the cult. Okay? Some, I don't know what you're drinking, some kind of Kool-Aid, but get out. Okay? And so he said, just read it, Max. And tell me stories about Jesus, how he raised his friend Lazarus from the dead. How he fed masses, multitudes of people. How he walked on water. How he healed the lame, the blind, the deaf. And I'm listening, my heart became just so with like, you know, it's like tearing up the soil inside of my heart. And then he gave me a, a little book called "More Than a Carpenter." How many of you have read that little book, "More Than a Carpenter"? Anybody here? Yeah, heard of it? It's good of us, and so we. I read the book, and within it, about the Bible is actually a historical document, and there was a real person named Jesus. He actually lived, died. And there's ways to measure it throughout history. You know, there's actual tests and evidences and proofs that the Bible is real and that Jesus really did raise from the dead, die on the cross, and raised from the dead. And I was thinking as i'm reading this book is it true could it be and if so how does this impact my life so a lot of times we think we have you know a blind faith and people think christians have just faith that's just okay i'm just gonna take a leap of faith and i don't know if it's true or not but i guess it is and you know what that's so untrue the truth is we have a very reasoned faith a reasonable faith, a thinking person's faith. Yes, there is an element of stepping off that cliff, but there's so much in the Bible to say, yes, it's a historically reliable document. It's a historically true document. Amen? All right. Well, uh, maybe you can identify with my story. Maybe uh, you will not believing all of But no matter where we are in our faith, we all have to, at some point in time, And if this hasn't happened for you, maybe this is the season that you say, you know what? Is the Bible true? Is the Bible reliable? Even Billy Graham, there's a great quote in his autobiography. He talked about where he had to wrestle with the questions of the Bible as he's looking into its reliability, into who Jesus is. And so all of us come to that question Is the Bible reliable and true? And so, many people today in our culture believe that the teachings of the Bible are outdated. There's a lot of contradictions within within it. Uh, There's scientific and historical errors. You know, they believe that um, the Bible is unreliable and true. And with a few exceptions, a lot of these people who believe these things, they're skeptics, right? They've come to their conclusions by not even reading the bible maybe third-hand accounts they haven't done their own study of the bible's reliability and truthfulness so today i'm hoping that we're going to leave here a little bit more equipped with tools in our tool belt and say you know what yes i'm i am confident of my faith i'm confident that the bible shows lots of evidence for its truthfulness for its reliability so how do we know Number one, you can write it in your notes there in your bulletins. We know the Bible is reliable and true by the external evidence. External evidence is simply proof for the Bible's reliability or reliability of any text that is found outside of the pages of that text, and in our case, the Bible. That's external, right? Reliability. External evidence. So a lot of people will say, You know, the Bible was written a long time ago. How can we trust it? How do we know that what we have today in front of us is what the original authors even wrote? How do we know? Well, we can be confident about what the New Testament writers wrote by a science called textual criticism. Textual criticism. So, basically the idea is this. When you read a book that's a copy of an ancient manuscript, like the Bible, you can ask two questions that go, that's going on to help you know that what you're reading is really accurate and what the original writers wrote. The first question you ask is, how quickly after the original was written did someone make a copy? How quickly after the original did someone make a copy? Right? Because that matters on its reliability. Okay, and number two, you want to ask, how many copies are there? How many copies of that original are there? So those two questions are so important. and I'm going to put up a graph for you here on the screen. And this is really cool. Caesar's Gallic Wars, there's a thousand-year gap between the original and the first copy made. Okay? See, Caesar, you have a thousand-year time span. It was written way back here, 100 to 44 B.C., we have the earliest copy in 900. That's a thousand-year gap. Okay, Caesar's Gallic Wars. Then we have Plato. You have Plato. There is a Plato's works 1,200-year gap from the original to when you have the copy made. Then you have Homer. Homer had a great work. Greek philosopher, Iliad. He had You can see down towards the bottom, a 500-year gap. Well, what about the New Testament? The New Testament. The books of the New Testament were written between 40, it's all the way at the bottom, right? 40, you have uh, in 100 A.D. The earliest copies that we have uh, have begun in A.D. 125, and we have full manuscripts by 350 A.D., So depending on how you look at it, look at the time difference compared to all those original works, ancient scripts, ancient texts. It's amazing. You have a 25-year gap for the New Testament at the very least, but a 300-year gap at the very most. So you compare it to 500 years, 800 years, 1,200 years, and so on. It's pretty cool, huh? Textual Criticism from when the original copies were made to when you had different copyists make those copies. Then you have the number of copies. If you go to the number of copies, go to Caesar up there, the original, you have 10 copies. Works of Plato, 7 copies. Homer's Iliad, you have 643 copies. And for the New Testament, how many copies do you have? In the thousands. 24,000 plus copies, 5,309 Greek manuscripts, 10,000 Latin manuscripts, and 9,300 other manuscripts. So, you look at textual criticism, and you see the New Testament far exceeds, it's not even close, it far exceeds science's own standard. For determining whether or not is this text reliable so we're going to do something called textual criticism no classical scholar would doubt the authenticity of these works right Plato Caesar Aristotle Homer they look at it and they say yeah the, the authenticity is right there we don't have to worry and you know what the Bible's held to a different standard these old these ancient manuscripts other ones are held to the standard where, you know what? All of these are innocent until proven guilty. They're all true until somebody can prove them false. Is the Bible held to that same standard? No. It's the most scrutinized document ever in history. And skeptics are always trying to tear it down, tear it down. But they can't do it. They can't do it. Textual criticism is a great proof, evidence, for saying, is this a reliable document? Is this a truthful document? Yes. So, another proof that the Bible is historically accurate is found in the accuracy of the Jewish scribes. The Jewish scribes copied the Old Testament. And so, we have to see that the copies of the New Testament are accurate and reliable. We see uh, the New Testament there. There's tons of manuscripts written Shortly after the originals were made, that's the New Testament. What about the Old Testament? So before the printing press was invented, and you can ask Gary what year that is, it's 1455, the Old Testament was copied by hand, very meticulously, by Jewish scribes. So there was an intricate method, a strict code they had to follow. For example, this code was so strict, each scroll had to contain a specific number of columns equal throughout the entire book the space between each letter had to be just the exact space of a little thread and it had to be like that uniform throughout the whole book the copyist the scribe had to use a specially prepared black ink every word that the scribe wrote must have been said aloud before they wrote it every page was reviewed and if a mistake was found that copy was destroyed and a new one redone. And each time the name of God was written, a fresh quill would have to be used. So it was very, very intricate, very specific what they had to do. The transmission of the text were held to the highest, highest standards so that every copy was, that was passed down remained faithful and accurate to what? To what the original writer was saying, what the original writer had penned. That's number two. Archaeology. What about archaeology? Archaeology. Archaeologists have uncovered places where the Old and New Testament events have occurred. And, you know, there are a lot of places where, that were doubted by skeptics. A lot of people in the Bible. That person's not even in history. How could the Bible say that? It's wrong, false. The whole thing is out. Throw it out the door. Throw it out the window. But no. For example, in the Old Testament... It was once claimed that there was an Assyrian king named Sargon. It was recorded in Isaiah chapter 20, verse 1. But there was nothing in the historical record that they could find. And so you look through uh, historical records of Assyria and that culture. But then Sargon's palace was discovered by archaeologists in Iraq, in the city in Iraq. And so the very event mentioned, Isaiah 20, his capture of Ashdod was recorded on the palace walls. So archaeology helps to confirm that. Skeptics like, okay, well, I'm sure there's another one. Another king who was in doubt was Belshazzar, and he was the king of Babylon. And we learned about this as we were going through the book of Daniel a few months back. But the last king of Babylon was Nabonidus, Nabonidus, according to recorded history. So tablets were found showing that Belshazzar was Nabonius' son. And he served as a joint ruler. He was a prince there in Babylon. So Belshazzar, he could offer to make Daniel third highest ruler in the kingdom, just like the book of Daniel talked about so what about in the new testament new testament there were portions of herod's temple the areopagus where paul spoke in athens i've got to go there that was awesome to see that the pool of Siloam where a man was healed of blindness in john chapter 9 they're all archaeological discoveries that showed events that happened in the bible the book of acts the book you read through the book of acts it's just an awesome book talking about Historical things, historical accuracy. In Luke, the author talking about thirty-two different countries, fifty-four different cities, nine islands without any error. So there's a lot of external ways outside of the Bible where you can use to prove that this text is reliable. Right? So but you can also prove a text is reliable and truthful. Just by simply reading it. And that's number two, internal evidence. You can write that in your bulletin. How do you know the Bible is reliable and true? The internal evidence. Just simply pick it up and read it. And you start to see, is this text reliable and true? That's internal evidence. And with the Bible, you do that and you see God confirming something to your heart you see god saying you know what you start to say this is this sounds like it looks like the very words god would pen so the bible the bible's reliability is found in internal evidence and one of those ways is the extraordinary unity of the bible the extraordinary unity of the bible is great proof for internal evidence the bible was written over 1500 years it's written by 40 different authors the authors were kings the authors were poets the authors were poor people the authors were scholars fishermen statesmen doctors they wrote all different kinds of literature history the bible's made up of history bibles made up of poetry Proverbs, drama, prophecy, letters. See how many different kinds of literature, different kinds of authors over so many years, 1,500 years? Amazing. But yet, with all of this diversity, there's a unified message, isn't there? There's a unified message, and every book complements one another. Every book complements one another, It's as if God put this book together. And he did. The extraordinary unity written over 1,500 years and 40 authors from all different walks of life is another proof that the Bible is reliable, that the Bible is true. So people ask, you know, is the Bible written by human beings? Who are the authors? Is it written by God? What's the deal? The Bible, yes, was written by human beings, but inspired by God. But how can it be both? And this is a lot of times people have trouble with this, right? They're saying, how can I trust if it's written by human beings? But how can God write it? Doesn't he need human beings to write it? How can it be both? Well, it's kind of like St. Paul's Cathedral or any great place, architectural work, that you could think of, right? So you have... St. Paul's Cathedral, Sir Christopher Wren, uh, when we studied in England for a while, it was just an awesome chance to tour London and see everything. So Sir Christopher Wren designed St. Paul's Cathedral. Amazing architect, right? But did Sir Christopher Wren lay a single stone? Did he build it? No, he didn't. He didn't lay a single stone. But he came up with the inspiration. He came up with the architectural design. It's kind of like the Bible. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. All Scripture is God-breathed So the whole Bible, cover to cover, every word, every jot and tittle the Bible says, every little word is inspired by God. The Greek word there, where it says God breathed, is theonoustos. Theonoustos is a Greek word, and it means God breathed. Like he breathed out scripture. He breathed out scripture. Inspired. You know, when God breathes, he breathes out scripture like the holy spirit's the breath of god he breathed inspiration scripture so it's not a very old book it's not a wise book with a lot of sayings in it that we can take and put to heart it's not a great book of history where we can note just just a historical book you know what? This is not even us. This is not a self-help book. Okay? The Bible is God's special revelation to us about who he is. He's communicating how much he loves us. He's communicating who we are. He's communicating how can we have a relationship back with him? Special revelation to us. The internal evidence of the Bible's reliability and truthfulness is on display when it gives testimony about itself. And that's another proof. The testimony of the Bible itself, the Bible says it is inspired by God. All scripture is inspired by God. Yes, it was written by men, but men inspired by God. So when they pen the words, they're penning the very words of God. And when you hear the Bible, when you read the Bible, you're reading it, you're hearing it, the very words of God. That's amazing. So another internal evidence is a testimony of Jesus himself. So we saw the testimony of the Bible itself, but what did Jesus say? the bible was jesus said in matthew chapter 24 35 he said heaven and earth will pass away but my words will never pass away it's eternal jesus talked about it matthew twenty-two, twenty-nine. 29 jesus tells the sadducees about the authority of the bible this is what he said about the bible jesus replied you are in error because you do not know the scriptures or the power of god you know jesus never had an original copy an original copy of the old testament but he believed that the old testament the copy that he did have that he read he read and he studied and he lived by were the very words of god mark 7:13 he said thus you nullify the word of god by your traditions that you have handed down and you do many things like that the word of god jesus called it the word of god Jesus prayed to the Father that we would be set apart from the rest of the world. How? By the Bible. By what we, as believers, read, how we are living, by this document right here. Jesus said this. He said in John 17, 17, Sanctify them, he prayed, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Sanctify means to set apart. Are you set apart? by what you believe about this document called the bible jesus prayed that we would be so there are internal there are external evidences for the reliability and the truthfulness of the bible but what is most important is it that we become these scholars that we can prove to people all these different evidences you know what you should believe. You should come to church with me. You know why? Pastor Max said there's this evidence There's external evidence. There's internal evidence. And I can name it. Boom, boom, boom. And go to all the archaeological finds. And go to all the textual criticism. That's all great for us to know. But you know what? What God wants us all to know most of all is that He loves us. He loves us. And most of all, this is a love letter from God. And that leads us to our... Third point, number three in your bulletins. You can write this in your bulletins. How do you know the Bible is reliable and true? There's evidence of the power to transform lives. There's evidence of a transformed life. Millions of people have read the Bible and have been transformed by God's power throughout history. Is it a coincidence? People just read this book and all of a sudden they have hope they have purpose and they're going god is real jesus is real millions of people throughout history are changed willing to die for their faith willing to say you know what i'm gonna stop doing whatever i was doing and i have a new hope and a power to do it i have met this person called jesus in the pages of this thing called the bible that's what happened to me as i was being talked to by my brother. I, you know, Reading that book about the historical reliability and the truthfulness of Scripture called More Than a Carpenter. Get into the Bible, start to read it. All of a sudden, it's like this thing is changing me. I don't know why. I go to, want to go to church with my brother. I step into church and I hear the worship team playing and I sit down in the back and I'm just crying. I don't even know why I'm crying. I don't even believe in anything. But God is changing me, working on me. It's a power in this book to transform lives. Why? Because it's not just any other book. Like I said, it's a love letter. It's a love letter from God to us. St. Augustine, great theologian of the church, said this, The Bible does nothing but speak of God's love for us. And I love that. The Bible does nothing but speak of God's love for us. It's all about relationship. And that's what God is trying to do through the words of this Bible. You know, like I said, it's a love letter. And uh, recently, my wife, she's a lot more lovey dovey than I am. And I think, as most wives are compared to their husbands. And I got a love letter from her. Woohoo! All right? I'm not going to read it to you, but I'll show you the cover. Okay. I plus you equals love. Okay, this is so it was so cute. Just the card, I was like, oh cute, that's awesome. And then I I will spare her embarrassment so I won't read it. But as I'm reading it, you know, I'm thinking, oh, ooh, ooh, yeah. Ooh. And it's just You know, making me feel so good. I feel so loved. Why? Is it because you just like to get letters? Is it because it's such a cute card? No, it's because of the author. The author. It's my wife. It's Vanessa. And she loves me so much. And I know that. And she's expressing her love. And I'm thinking about her. And I'm thinking about our relationship. And I love it, so precious to my heart, right? It's the person who wrote it. Do we see the connection here with the Bible? Do we see that? The Bible, the book is a means to an end, which is that relationship we have with God through Jesus Christ. The point of the Bible is to have a relationship with Jesus Check this out. John chapter 20, verse 31. Jesus said this, But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah. The Bible is written so that you would know that Jesus is the Messiah, the Savior. Your Savior. The Son of God. And that by believing, you may have life in His name. That you would be completely changed. That you would be completely transformed from your old life into your new life. That you would go from a life of sin to a life of living in hope and victory over sin. Amen? That you would go a life of being counted as somebody whose sins are against them. Somebody whose sins are completely forgiven. From death to life, completely transformed. I saw, most of all, that God loved me. And that's what changed my heart. When I walked into that church, I'm thinking, this is true love. This is where it's at. It's true. Yeah, I went through the facts. And we have to have a reasoned faith. A faith that is not leaving reason at the door. Like so many people think Christians do. No. It's an intelligent faith. And I learned and I got some of that as a foundation. Then I said, is it true, Lord? And I'm reading the Bible, the internal evidence. And then I saw the love of God. The love of God found in Jesus Christ. He's not against you. He's for you. First John 4, 9-10 says this. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we first love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. This is love. Jesus is love. And God wrote the Bible so that you would know the Savior personally. Do you know Him? Do you know Him? Have you found Him in the pages of the Bible? Have you experienced the power of God to change and transform your life? How do you do that? If you haven't, all you got to do is pick up the Bible. All you got to do is say, "You know what, God? Are you real?" Okay? Ask, seek and knock. God will open the door. Okay? God is saying, "You know what? If you've never done it, this is a great time. We're still a, sort of in the new year. We have our Bible reading plan and it's, just made so easy for us to go ahead every day, little by little, getting to know God through the scriptures. Do that. Pick it up. Spend some time with God in His Word. Pray about what you read. You might want to journal what you read. In your small groups, you guys can encourage one another to do that. Continue reading. Hey, are you guys reading through the Bible reading plan? Yeah, let's do it together. Hey, you guys want to meet up sometime during the week? We can talk about it. We can pray for one another. Yeah, let's do it. Get into the Bible. On Sundays, let's all bring our Bibles. And we would mark it up. We'd write in it. And we're going to go through it, like I said, this whole year, starting in the book of Genesis. And we're going to not just read it just to read it and check it off our list. We're going to meet it to meet the God who loves us, the God who sent his one and only son for us that we might have forgiveness of sins and new life by having a relationship with him. Amen? Let's go ahead and stand up, and we're going to close with a word of prayer. Let's bow our heads. Lord, we just say thank you for the Bible. Lord, we ask that if there is uh, anybody here who has never personally encountered you, Lord, who maybe is just starting off on that journey and saying, yeah, are you real? Is the Bible real? Is this uh, something that I can put my faith in, put my life and trust in? And that you would confirm to them today, Lord, right now even, yes, I am. I'm here. I'm the author of this. I have the power to change your life through this book and through my spirit. So come, Holy Spirit, and just fill us all that we would say, you know what, Jesus, you are truth. Your word is truth. You are the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through you. So Lord, we just want to submit to you today, wherever we're at, we ask that you would bow the knee of our heart, that we would say, yeah, thank you for your word, Lord. Wow, it's awesome. It's powerful. It's amazing. I want to get into it. And we would leave the old things behind and we would step into the new life. All the good things you want to do within us, within our families, within our workplaces. Lord, but most of all, it's that relationship one-on-one with you. We ask that you would change that starting in the word of the Bible. Give us an appetite for it. Lord, we can't do it on our own so we ask that you would please give us an appetite that we would want to get into your word. That we would love it. We'd hold it dear to us lord it would be our most prized possession lord because within the great pages of scripture we know we'd meet you jesus through it it's in your name we pray amen amen why don't we go ahead and uh, give somebody a hug a high five on the way out let let somebody know who you are and uh go ahead there's refreshments in the back and we will see you guys next week thank you